So one thing I've noticed about myself is that so many times when I walk into a room, I ask myself, what am I missing? What am I missing? It's that kind of fear of missing out, right? The, the FOMO. You know, I remember like in the summertime, so many times I'm scrolling through Instagram or something, and you know, I see everyone up at their parents' cabin, and I'm like, why don't my parents have a cabin? What am I missing out on? Anyone else with me, right? Or I see people on their boats, and I'm like, man, why can't we afford a boat? What, what am I missing out on? It's just so easy to go through life asking, what am I missing? I gotta confess, when I walk into pastor conferences, so often I can ask, man, what am I missing here? Why is their church growing so much faster than our church? What am I missing? What is going on, what they're doing that, that you know, we're not doing? I look on Facebook and I see families with just the perfect house and the perfect home-cooked meals and kids who are always smiling and spotless families. And I just think, man, what am I missing? Have you, have you ever been there? Have you ever just thought, man, what am I missing out on? It's easy to do, and I think we've all been there. It's so easy to just go, man, what am I missing? Have you ever wondered, why are things so hard? I consider this the holiday season every time between Halloween and New Year's Day. And this season, I know for many of you, is hard. You're reminded of people you loved that you've lost that aren't here this holiday season. You're reminded of past struggles. And you're like, why is it so hard? You ever feel like you're just in the middle of a battle? Maybe with your spouse, with your kids, with your boss? And you just feel like you're in this fight and you just say, God, take me out of this fight. But when I look at scripture, I see men like David saying to us, don't ask God to prevent the fight, but ask God to give you the faith to get through the fight. Amen? Because if David doesn't face Goliath and kill him, and as I always add to the kids' Bible, cut off his head and take his sword when I'm reading to my kids. Later, when David is running for his life, Goliath's sword isn't there for him when he needs it most. David has to fight the giant so that he can get what he needs later. See, God knows what we need. And sometimes we miss God's provision because it's disguised as a problem. If you're taking notes this morning, I encourage you to write that down. Sometimes we miss God's provision because it's disguised as a problem. We keep sending God's package back to him because we don't like how it looks. It looks like hard work. It looks like a fight. God's provision often comes wrapped in strange packages. Today's title of message is called The Power of Provision. But see, a lot of times God's provision comes wrapped in strange packages and we think, why did you do that, God? He has a plan and a purpose for that. One of my favorite men from the Bible is the church planter and Apostle Paul. Paul traveled around planting churches, raising up men, training women. And he does all this amazing work for God. And where does he end up? Ends up in prison, in chains. And what does he write in Philippians 4.11? Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. See, what Paul learned is that when God is your source, you will never lack supply. 
when you're connected to God as your source, you will have all the provision that you need. You will never lack supply. So here's what I want us to do, is that instead of flipping through Instagram and Facebook, instead of walking into church, walking into work and and asking, what am I missing? I want us to ask, what am I missing? Does that make sense? No. Instead of asking, what am I missing? Say, God, what am I missing here? What am I not seeing that you're doing right here, right now? I'm not missing a comfortable chair that reclines and I'm sitting on the metal folding chair, but instead, God, open my eyes to see what are you doing right here in this gymnasium? What are you doing in my life? How are you using me? What am I missing right now? Show me your provision. God, open my eyes to see what's going on. Show me what I'm missing here. A little vocabulary lesson. We're talking about the power of provision. Pro-vision. We're for the vision. We want to ask God to say, God, how are you working here? How are you working out good for those who love you? we got to open our eyes to see it. we got to be for the vision, pro-vision. What am I not seeing? What am I missing, God? Have I had my eyes on myself and my situation? Have my eyes been on the mountain that I'm facing instead of the God who moves mountains? Have my eyes been on my problems instead of the God who can heal addictions and hurts and move mountains? God, what am I not seeing? Ever laid on your back and maybe on a summer's day and looked at the clouds with your kids? Maybe you have a better imagination than me, but so often my kids are like, that looks like an elephant, that looks like an alligator. I'm like, no, it doesn't. That's just a cloud. You know, but the kids can see something. They have an imagination. They're able to see pictures and a shape and and our little kids, man, they put together a whole story when they see the clouds of what's going on and this cloud is doing this and this and this. Jesus tells us we need to have a childlike faith. And I think what children are so, so good at is a sense of imagination, of being for the vision, of seeing things that's so easy for us to miss. See, sometimes God will hide your provision in plain sight so that you will seek him. Guys, sometimes God will hide wisdom in your wife. Amen, women? Give your husband a nudge. It's okay. You want to say, God, how are you already working in this situation? Open my eyes to see the miracle that's already in progress. Show me what you are doing. So I think provision and perspective are linked. We might need to change our thinking, which will change our perspective, to see that God's provision is already in front of me. Whether that's a financial need, a physical healing, a relational healing, direction, the strength to just go on again and change one more diaper. God's provision is right here in front of us. But so often we look through a lens of limitation, but God wants us to see through the lens of provision that he is the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. There is no limits to his mercy. There's no limits to his provision and what he can accomplish. Maybe you've been praying for patience and God gave you preschoolers. Her baby's wrapped in pampers. Moms, you, the greatest contribution you might give to the kingdom of God is not something you do. 
but someone you raise. And don't be weary of doing good. When it just feels like day after day, it's the same thing, and you're crying out to God to give you the strength to just do it again, and the days are so, so long. But God wants you to know he is your strength. Open your eyes. What are you missing? What are you investing into these little future world changers as you're changing their diapers? God's provision often awaits our preparation. And maybe right now, as you struggle, as you fight, you are in a, series, a season of preparation as God is preparing you for what he wants to do through you. Because oftentimes, pressure of life will cause us to seek provision to get our priorities in order. We just went through this relationship goal series. We said our number one priority is to make God our number one and our spouse our number two. When we get in trouble, when we get those out of order, when God is not one, when our spouse isn't two, when our kids are our number one or our number two, when our job is our number one or number two. But as we face pressure, it's going to encourage us to get our priorities in order. So often, we mistakenly believe that provision of God means the prevention of problems, right? We think that if God is going to provide all our needs, then we won't go through tough times. I think, and I've been guilty of this so much, oftentimes when we ask others to pray for us, what we're really asking is God to eliminate the need we have. Which, what are we really praying? God, create a life for me where I don't need you. Take away all my needs so I don't need to depend on you. I've been there. That's what we're so often praying but he's a good father and he won't do it because he knows what we need. We need to struggle. We need to fight. We need to go through the journey because that prepares us for what God wants to do inside of us and through us for the good of the world. Amen? Because we are called not to just exist for ourselves, but to exist for the betterment of the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And those of us who are followers of Christ, who have been called and adopted in his family, we exist to be prepared to go make a difference, to love people. But man, so often, I want to skip the hard parts. Are you with me? It's like, God, I don't want to go through that. I want to just skip to the blessing, just skip to the provision. I just want to skip the pain. That's not how it works. I shared this a couple weeks ago that I've been doing CrossFit. I know you can tell I'm looking pretty ripped, right? Two months in, it's killing me. If you see me do a little of this, it's because my back is sore um, and my muscles are all sore. Uh, I, I have muscles I didn't even know I had two months ago. Um, I wish I could just skip the pain of the workouts and I keep thinking they're gonna get easier and I know they're not. But to get to the goal of health, you have to go through the pain. It's the same in life. To get to the place where God can use us and do what he wants to do through us, we have to go through the struggle. We have to go through the journey. We have to go through the tough times so that we learn to rely on God. Amen? We're going to spend the next five weeks looking at the life of a man named Elijah. Before we dive into that, would you join me in a word of prayer? God, I thank you. You are the God of provision. And God, I believe that right now, no one is here by accident. So God, I pray that these words would not be my words, they'd be your words, God. 
God, that you would deliver the message for each and every person who needs to hear it. God, I pray that we would learn to trust you. God, that we would open our eyes to see what we're missing, where you are already at work in our lives and in the world around us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Elijah lived in this time where the kingdom of Israel had gone through King Saul, the great King David, the giant slayer, King Solomon. Then the kingdom was divided in a civil war. There was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. Elijah lived in the northern kingdom. And for the last 200 years, they had suffered 19 evil kings. Now, not just ineffectual kings, not just a little unhinged, but 19 evil kings, each worse than the last. Can you imagine that? Not just like, you know, depending on where you are on the political spectrum, you probably either love Trump or you loved Obama, and you think the other one is evil. But can you imagine 19 in a row of evil kings doing terrible, terrible things? That's the time where Elijah lived. In fact, during the life of Elijah, there was a very evil king named Ahab who was married to an incredibly wicked woman named Jezebel, possibly the most wicked woman to ever live. And under their reign, the Bible says that Ahab did more evil than all the other 18 kings before him. That's one evil dude. Things are not going well in the country. So Elijah goes to the evil king Ahab. And he's going to proclaim what God wants him to say. See, because King Ahab led the people away from worshiping the one true God who led them out of slavery and bondage and Egypt. Instead, the Israelites are now worshiping this false god, Baal. People would often sacrifice their children. They would kill them for this false god. They would go into the temple and engage in horrible, awful acts of, uh, with prostitutes and, and sexual immorality and call it worship. Do things too gross to describe. This is a dark, dark time. And, and finally, God says, enough! What does God do? Does he send a legion of angels? Does he send an army? No, he sends one person. As God so often does, he raises up one person to stand up for God, to say enough is enough. This is wrong. God still does that today. God may raise up one teenage girl to take a stand in her class against all others for sexual purity. God may raise up one business leader to take a stand for integrity in a business field that's lacking integrity. God may raise up one person to go into politics to take a stand for what is true. God often raises up one person to make a big difference. And that's what he's going to do here. He's raising up one person, Elijah. Our text for today is 1 Kings chapter 17. You can follow along in your Bible app if you want, or the scriptures will be here behind me. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 1. Now Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe and Gilead, said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. So Elijah goes to evil King Ahab and boldly proclaims there's going to be no rain, no dew, until Elijah prays for rain to come again. This would have been huge. In an agricultural society, no rain meant a complete economic shutdown. 
That would mean in our context, you can't get gas in the gas station. That would mean unemployment going up to 50, 60, 70, 80%. It'd mean not only can you not get money from a bank to lend them to you, you can't even pull your own money out of the bank. Everything is just shut down. People are starving to death. The battle between Yahweh, the one true God, and Baal, the false God, is on. The battle lines are drawn. But then God does something I think is kind of strange. Unlike hundreds of years earlier when Moses steps up to Pharaoh to confront the false gods of Egypt, and Moses is there for the 10 plagues, Elijah, God is gonna take him away. He's gonna send him off and ask him to hide. Why does God do that? Elijah steps up to the plate, gonna go to battle against the false god. He's the one champion for God. But then he sends Elijah off into hiding. Why does God do that? Because there's so much more God wants to do in him because there's so much more God wants to do through him. We're gonna watch as God shapes this man in a very deep season of preparation, almost as if God is saying to him, there's so much more I wanna do in you, so there's so much more I need to do through you. I need to do work in you so I can do more through you. And perhaps you're in that same place right now. You're in a season of preparation that God needs to do a work in you so that he can do so much more through you. Because God's provision often awaits our preparation. And I want us to see three seasons of preparation that God is going to lead Elijah to. And perhaps you may identify with one of these three seasons, or maybe you've gone through these three seasons recently. Number one, the first season that God is going to bring Elijah through is isolated pain. Isolated pain. God takes Elijah through a season of isolated pain where he's very alone. He has no one to talk to. He's hurting in a very isolated way. Verse two, and the word of the Lord came to him, depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. That word Cherith, the brook, means cut off. It means cut down. It means to be cut off from the source, cut off from the blessings. It very literally means cut down like you chop down a tree. You can almost sense what God is saying here. It's as if God is saying, I'm going to lead you through a season of breaking. I'm going to cut you down. I'm going to humble you. I'm going to teach you to be totally dependent on me. I'm going to humble you privately so I can use you publicly. When you look at the Bible, almost every leader goes through this season where God is going to humble them privately so that he can use them publicly. God says, I'm going to do something in you that's very deep so that later on you can do more than you ever thought possible. Before you stand on the mountain for me, you need to descend down into the valley. And a lot of times I think people find themselves in the dark, lonely, deep valley. And they're in a season of pain asking, God, where are you? And the reality is God is right there with you, working on you in the valley. Remember that Our uncertainty is not evidence of God's inactivity. Although we may be uncertain, God is not uncertain. He still has the whole world in his hands. It's a little bit like there's a little bird flying south for the winter. And as some of us are apt to do, the little bird 
got caught up in procrastination and he didn't fly south when he was supposed to. And so he decided to wait until mid-November in November to fly south. And so he starts flying south and it's the middle of a snowstorm and his wings are frozen and he can't fly any further and he crashes down to the ground. And he realizes, I'm going to freeze to death. My wings don't work. I am cold. I'm alone. This is as bad as it gets. And then this cow walks over. And the bird feels something drop on him. And that cow just took a big dump on him. And he's like, seriously, God? I'm going to freeze to death, and this is as bad as it gets. Now I'm getting literally dumped on. I'm getting crapped on. But that dump warms him up and melts the ice and he can fly south. Here's the point. Getting crapped on might be exactly what you need to soar again. <laughs> Amen? How many of you guys remember the poop brownie stories from February? Yeah. You guys are totally going to remember being, getting crapped on, right? Yeah. I'm sorry if saying the word crap offends you. Um, but for those of you who are in the valley, be encouraged the more that God breaks you, the more you get dumped on, the more God has in store for you. Number two, total dependence. The second thing we see Elijah take us through as he's shaping him, as he's molding him into a powerful man of God is a season of total dependence where Elijah can't depend on anything else but God and God alone. First Kings 17 verse four. God tells him, you shall drink from the brook and I've commanded the ravens, these birds, to feed you there. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. In the middle of a drought where there's no water, there's this brook that he gets to drink from. And we've got God's heavenly catering service. These ravens, these birds are bringing him meat every morning, every night, straight to the prophet. What is God doing? He's saying very clearly, very distinctly, you can count on me to provide for you. When God is your source, you will never lack supply. I've learned that the deeper the valley, the greener the grass. That God will never lead me to a place where he won't feed me. So right now, if you feel like you're in the depths of the valley, trust that God is still there, that he is feeding you, that he is taking care of you. God wants you to lean wholly on him, to have total dependence on him. I heard this story one time from a preacher about a single mom. And this single mom was taking care of her kids to the best of her ability. And she would pray in her apartment and she would worship and she said, God, I need you so much. I need, I need you to provide for me. And she lived next door to an atheist. And, he, and the atheist just hated hearing her pray through the walls and, and worship. And then one day there was just a little too much month left for her to cover all her bills. And she's crying out and she's praying, God, I need to provide for me. I have no answers. I don't know what to do. And this atheist was so tired of hearing her, her pray. He's like, you know what? Fine. I'm going to go prove her there is no God. I'm going to go to the grocery store. I'm going to buy her groceries. So he buys her these groceries, drops them off at her doorbell, at her, in front of her apartment, rings the doorbell and runs away. So she comes out, she sees the groceries. She's like, God, thank you so much for providing for me. You've met all my needs. And he comes out of his apartment. He's like, ha, there is no God. I did this. I bought the groceries for you. 
So she just turned her eyes to heaven and said, God, thank you so much for, for providing for all my needs, and you even made the devil pay for it. <laughs> Here's the thing about what God did for Elijah, is that God didn't give Elijah a three-month supply of food. He didn't give him a two-week supply of food. He didn't even give him a two-days worth supply of food. Those birds brought him food every day. Enough for the day to get through. Some of you are gonna learn that right now. You're in a season where you're hurting and you're alone and you're afraid. But guess what? God delivers just enough to make it through today. And God will give you just enough to make it through tomorrow. You don't have much, but God will say, I will be your provision for today. You feel weak, but God says, I will be your strength for today. Don't worry about tomorrow. I will be your strength for today. Your friends leave you. Your friends betray you. God says, I will be your friend for today. I may not be more than you need, but I'm exactly what you need. I will be your daily bread. And Elijah depends, learns to depend on God daily. God is teaching him. He's breaking him. He's molding him. He's humbling him. He's teaching him to lead, lean on God with total dependence. See, when he has no ability to provide for himself, he's learning that when God is your source, you'll never lack supply. Number three, we see God lead him through a season of unconditional obedience. Unconditional obedience. Isolated pain, total dependence, and then a season of unconditional obedience. Verse seven, and after a while the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, which is another country, and dwell there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. Now put ourselves in Elijah's place. He heard God tell him, go to the brook. God has been sustaining him. God has been feeding him. But all of a sudden, now the brook dries up. The birds don't come. And Elijah's like, God, did I mishear you? Why is it that what was feeding me is no longer feeding me? Did I do something wrong, God? I I don't understand. Did I not hear you? And he's going to learn that the same God who gives water can take water away. Because often... God will cause the brook to dry up to give us the courage to leave where we are and go where we're supposed to go. God will let a brook dry up to show you it wasn't the birds feeding you. It was God. He's our supply in every season. The same God who gives water, who gives food may cause it to dry up to give us the courage to take a step of total obedience. How many of you remember the movie, The Karate Kid? The original, not the new one. Yeah, Daniel-san, remember that? There's Mr. Miyagi, the guy from Happy Days, and then Daniel-san. And Daniel-san goes to Mr. Miyagi, and he says, teach me the ways of karate. So what does Mr. Miyagi do? He has him, like, wax his car, paint the fence, you know, scrub the floors. And finally, uh, Daniel-san is so fed up. He's like, teach me how to fight. I've been your slave. I've been doing all this work. And Mr. Miyagi shows him why he had him go through all those things. And I thought it'd be amazing and awesome to actually watch a little clip from that. So check out the 1980s Karate Kid. Uh, Mike, if you got that, go ahead and roll that clip for us. Stand the floor. Stand up. Show me stand the floor. Stand the floor. 
Keep your eyes up. Pro-vision, for the vision. What are you keeping your eyes on? Right now, what God is doing to you is he's preparing you for what he wants to do through you. You're managing your household budget and you're changing diapers and, and you're meal planning. Maybe God is preparing you to manage a budget now of a household, but someday you'll manage a larger budget at a business or a ministry. You're cleaning toilets, you're scrubbing the house as God prepares you to have a servant heart to love others. You're putting in long hours and, and you're working hard at your job so that one day you're prepared to be a leader and a manager and have empathy for their employees. Daniel said he didn't see it when he was doing those menial tasks. And he's like, why am I doing these things over and over? And it feels so draining. There's a purpose. And I believe right now there is a purpose for what God has you going through. He's preparing you for what's next. And a lot of times we won't see it. We won't see the vision God has for our life until we go through these seasons of preparation, until we go through isolated pain, 
total dependence on him, complete obedience. Once the brook dries up, once that thing that was keeping him alive and sustaining him is gone, God sends him to another foreign country, to a widow, who was really the lowest of society. Verse 10, so he rose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And I imagine Elijah, he's like, really, God? I'm a big, strong man. I'm going to ask this widow for help. And he humbles himself. And he called to her and said, bring me a little water and a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Bring me a little biscuit. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. They're in the middle of a famine. This is all she's got. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you've said. But first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterward, make something for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said. And she and her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was neither spent Neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. God uses Elijah to miraculously provide for this widow from another country, a foreigner. This woman and her son would have died if Elijah hadn't been willing to obey God, hadn't been willing to humble himself, be used by God to provide for this woman. What is it that God is preparing you for in the future? See, I think usually when we are asking God for change, we're asking him to change our situation instead of asking him to change ourselves. I want to invite the band to come on up. See, God wants to do something deeper in you. He doesn't want to just bring you higher. He wants to lead you deeper. Not just put people in your life to encourage you, but to use you to encourage others. God wants to do a work in you so that you can be a blessing to others. Blessed to be a blessing. As we close our service, we're going to have a time of just prayer and reflection, and the band's going to play this song. And I'm going to invite uh, our prayer team to come down, my wife Kristen, and we're going to be down in the front. And while the band's playing the song, I want to invite you to come forward, to take a step of faith, to ask for God to do something in your life. In an agricultural society, rain was everything. Without rain, they could not live. Again and again in the Bible, God is the God who brings rain. Have you ever thought about rain? It's a miracle. Like, in this society, how do you explain rain? Somehow, God takes 
these molecules of water out of the Mediterranean Sea. They evaporate up into clouds. They're going to travel hundreds of miles. And then they have to drop one piece at a time, not too heavy or it destroys all their wheat crops. But wait, what about all that salt that was in the Mediterranean Sea? Somehow the clouds are going to purify the salt so that only raindrops. Not too big, not too small, so they'd evaporate on their way down. Honestly, rain is a miracle. God is the one who brings the rain. Right now in your life, if you feel like, man, you just need to be cleansed, you need to be washed clean, that feeling of standing under a shower as the rain just uh, just washes over you, God wants to do that this morning. He wants to wash you clean, to renew a right spirit within you. Maybe you feel dry and parched. Just open your eyes to heaven to receive the rain from God, receive his blessing, his favor. If you walked in this morning feeling shame, guilt, feeling you weren't enough, I want you to reject those lies and instead believe the truth that God loves you. He so loves you. He has a plan for your life. And even though life seems so uncertain, God is not uncertain. And you are in a season of preparation. God wants to do something in you so that he can do so much more through you. I'm gonna pray. The band's gonna sing. And I encourage you, if you feel that tug, That's the Holy Spirit. God is doing something in you. There's nothing special about this school gymnasium or these risers. But they become a sacred place by our action of coming to meet with God. And I want to invite you to come meet with God. If you want prayer, we're here. If you want to just kneel and pray for his rain to fall upon you, to give you strength. Pray with me. God, we stand here expectant, believing that you are here with us. We believe, God, that you can rain down in our lives. And so, God, we pray to receive your rain in us right now. God, we've been feeling dry. We've been feeling weary. So, God, we open our eyes to your heavens. We say, God, pour down on us like a flood. Wash us clean. Renew a right spirit within us, God. Meet us here. We know that you are here. So open our eyes to see what we're missing. Give us your vision for our lives, for what you want to do through us, what you want to do in our church, what you want to do through our church. God, we believe you have so much more for us. We just need to receive it and to receive it and to believe it. Thank you, God. Amen. Would you just stand with me? Come forward now if you'd like to receive God's blessing, his reign. The band's going to play.